So we can have a bar reading next. So you have a page I'm Jake, uh, I'm studying engineering. I'm going to read the Bible for us today. Should I quickly pray? Uh, keep, keep on going, but behind time. Alright. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Bobby. Um, so, Bobby, three. Can you all see? Okay. Um, yeah, I'll start reading. A prayer of Habakkuk the prophet according to Shigedon. O Lord, I have heard the report of you, and your work, O Lord, do I fear. In the midst of the years, revive it. In the midst of the years, make it known. In wrath, remember mercy. God came from Teman, and the Holy One from Mount Paran. His splendor covered the heavens and the earth, and the earth was full of his praise. His brightness was like the light, rays flashed from his hand, and there he bowed his power. Before him went pestilence, and plague followed at his heels. He stood and measured the earth. He looked and shook the nations. Then the eternal mountains were scattered, the everlasting hills sank low. His were the everlasting ways. I saw the tents of Cushion in affliction, the curtains of the land of Midian did tremble. Was your wrath against the rivers, O Lord? Was your anger against the rivers, or your indignation against the sea, when you rode on your horses, on your chariot of salvation? You stripped the sheep from your bow, calling for many arrows. You split the earth with rivers. The mountains saw you and writhed, that the raging waters swept on. The deep gave forth its voice, it lifted its hands on high. The sun and the moon stood, stood still in their place at the light of your arrows as they sped at the flash of your glittering spear. You marched through the earth in fury, you threshed the nations in anger. You went out for the salvation of your people, for the salvation of your anointed. You crushed the head of the house of the wicked, laying him bare from thigh to neck. You pierced with his own arrows the heads of his warriors, who came like a whirlwind, scattering, rejoicing as if to devour the poor in secret. You trampled the sea with your horses, the surging of mighty waters. I hear, and my body trembles. My lips quiver at the sound. Rottenness enters into my bones. My legs tremble beneath me. Yet I will quietly wait for the day of trouble to come upon the people who invade us. Habakkuk rejoices in the Lord. Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit beyond the vines, the produce of the olive fowl and the feeds, the fields yield no food, the flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God the Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes the tread on my He makes me tread on my high places. Thanks, They say that you are getting old when you start to speak more about memories than about plans for the future. And we can't almost do that here. We're going to farewelling people and we did, but you will one day, no matter when in the near future, be speaking about the good old days. Passing your minds back to what those things were that were good back then that we no longer enjoy now. So just for a moment, I wonder whether for uh, just a minute or so, can you just talk on your tables and ask each other, what comes to mind when you think about the good old days? Well, 
don't worry about them. They're proud, but I'm going to punish them. And I'm not going to only just punish them. I'm going to punish every wicked person in this world. Then Habakkuk decides, you better pray about that. That's what chapter 3 is all about. Right? It's his prayer. So it begins, there in verse 1, which most people don't quite get, so we'll go to verse 2. And have a look there at verse 2. Um, why don't I get someone... Could I ask you to yeah. read verse 2 for us? Sure. Everybody listen carefully. Oh Lord, I have heard the report of you and your work. Oh Lord, do I fear. In the midst of the years, revive it. In the midst of the years, make it known. In wrath, remember mercy. Thank you. Now, for a minute, what is Habakkuk praying here? Just in verse 2, what is he asking God to do? <coughs> Not as much talking as the good old days. <laughs> Need to, okay, process, process, process. I'll give you longer than a minute. I'll be really kind. What is he asking? Now, the good old days was mentioned there, but we're just going to look uh, in 
from verses 3 to about 11, 3 to 11, um, he looks at the good old days, and these are events in the Old Testament that are alluded to in some way, shape, or form. And I wonder whether at your tables now, I'm going to give you uh, just a couple more minutes, just to see what events are alluded to that you can pick up in verses 3 through to 11. Is that all right? So obviously it means that someone's got to read. Oh, no, you read it in silence. I'm going to give you in silence, right? You can think on your own just for a moment. And then I'm going to read it in silence too. And then I'm going to point out when you can start picking it up. What events in the Old Testament? Sorry, go for it. You can talk. Yeah, plagues, yeah, pestilence, 
goes before you, says plagues like the Exodus, you know, the ten plagues of Egypt. Yeah? Any other things? Creation? Yes, Where's, where do you find creation? Um, verses, verse 4, his brightness is like a light rays flash from the sea. Yeah, and there he veiled his power. It, it, it could be alluding back to Genesis chapter 1. Let there be light, and there was light. Yeah, power, right? So, yeah. Any other things? What about verse 7, Kushan in affliction, Midian, do you tremble? Any, any memories of that? The Kushites, the Midianites? How about the Midianites? They don't ring a bell anywhere with anybody? With who, sorry? Judges. Judges, yes. Remember which judge was involved with the Midianites? Gideon. Gideon, exactly. Remember Gideon? He was the scaredy cat, Gideon. And he actually put out a fleece. Remember that? And he put out a fleece to say, okay, God, I, I know you told me to go fight the, the Midianites, but you know, if it's going to have dew everywhere else and not in the fleece, then I'll know it's you. And then God does it. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Well, let's do it the other way around. Then we'll have to dew on the fleece and not everywhere else. And God does it. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So it's a scaredy cat, right? But he defeated the Midianites with, what, 770 people, something like that. It was just a really... Sorry? And a lot of glass. Class. Class as well. It was just... So he defeated the Midianites, yeah, the Cushites. Uh, sorry, what were they? Yes, yes, the tents of Cushan, the Cushites. They were defeated by the first judge, Othniel, um, who was squeaky clean judge compared to the other judges as well. Uh, so we go on as well. And anybody remember anything about verse 11, where the sun and moon stood still in their place? Any recollection of that? Yeah. Joseph's holding up both hands. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The sun being kept up. Yes, and somebody had to hold his hand up. Yes. And also in Joshua chapter 10, where Joshua does that too, well, he doesn't actually hold up his hand or the rest of it. He just asks God to actually keep the sun still and the moon still while they defeat the alliance of kings that were actually going against Israel at the time. So God made time stood still. You see, what, what is all this, you see? It's, it's all a, a collage. All these images that are brought together regarding what God has done in the past. Right? He is doing this incredible thing of seeing how these remarkable events of 400 years of slavery in Egypt, their deliverance from Pharaoh from the 10 plagues, Mount Sinai, the wilderness wanderings, the handover from Moses to Joshua, right up to the defeat of their enemies in the Promised Land. And he gathers all these images like a collage to display the glory, the power of God, where God poured out his wrath on his enemies. But he saved his people. And as he remembers all these injustices of his present time, Habakkuk says in verse 16, have a look at verse 16 and following, verse 16, I hear and my body trembles. My lips quiver at the sound. Rottenness enters into my bones. My legs tremble beneath me. Yet I will quietly wait for the day of trouble to come to my people who live later. See what he's saying? I've got this whole collage of all these times in which you have been at work in the people of Israel and judging their enemies. And in light of that, I'm still going to wait quietly for this day of trouble when the Babylonians are going to invade us. In other words, I'm still going to trust you, even though it's going to be a time of trembling. He's, he's quivering. Have had your lips quiver? Do you remember a time when it did quiver? That's when you were 
scared, nervous, beside yourself, like almost about to die kind of feeling. It's just that food. That's what he's talking about, right? His legs are trembling. But then he goes on to say the most remarkable things. Verses 17 to 19. 17 to 19. Ah, why don't we have someone read that for us? How about I pick on Josie? Is that okay? Let's have a sister out the back here. Can you read that out for us, verses 17 to 19? When the Babylonians come and invade, why well, nothing's going to be around, is there? Like the fig tree's not going to blossom, like crops will fail, trees will not bear fruit, animals will die. Right, it's going to be bad. But verse 18, what does he say? He's just going to rejoice, nevertheless. What kind of bizarre guy is this? He needs a psychiatrist, doesn't he? Everything's going to be bad, but I'm going to rejoice. Why is he going to rejoice? Verses 18 and 19. Why is he going to rejoice? Because God saves. Because God saves. So he's looked back at this collage of all this stuff in the Old Testament to say, this, this God that I serve, I can trust him. And so I can trust him to do what he says he's going to do, in the future, which is to judge not only the people of Judah, who he is the midst of, but also the Babylonians and any other city like Babylon. And so he's going to wait with joy for God to do the right thing. You see? He's going to tremble with joy. His lips are going to quiver, yet those same lips are going to sing with joy. Why? Because of the God that it serves. And through it all, he knows that God will punish evil, God will bring back his justice once and for all, and God's promises are trustworthy, and he will do what is right. But he's going to wait with joy. He's going to wait with joy. Now, I just want to say a couple of things, and then after that, get us to think a little bit more as well. Habakkuk never lived to see the day of justice when God did bring about the defeat of the Babylonians. But he still waited and waited and waited. And in this very real sense, we too are doing the waiting now. See, God justly poured out all his wrath upon Jesus, remember? In his wrath, though, he remembered mercy. 
because in pouring out his wrath upon Jesus, he diverted his wrath away from us, which means that we are the ones who are the beneficiaries of God's mercy. The only place where justice and mercy meet is at the cross of Jesus Christ. Justice is to give us what we deserve. Mercy is to give us what we don't deserve. That doesn't happen in this world outside of the cross of Jesus Christ. And yet, it did happen for us at this same cross. And Habakkuk never lived to see this day, ever. But what we've got to realise is that Habakkuk kept on looking back and looking forward, looking back and looking forward. And we too need to do that as well. Because what do we look forward to? We look back to the cross. But have a look here at Hebrews chapter 10. Verses 36 to 38. He's speaking to the Hebrew Christians who themselves were being persecuted, who were going through trials, who were going through hardship. He says, For you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. For yet a little while, and the coming one will come and will not delay, but my righteous one shall live by faith. That's a quote from Habakkuk, remember? How does the righteous one live by faith? By trusting that God will do right. How? By the coming one who will come and will not delay. Who is the coming one who will come and not delay? <coughs> it's Jesus. It's Jesus. So Habakkuk is quoted by the book of Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews, to refer to the return of Jesus. And we saw last week, it was also quoted to refer to the cross of Jesus. So, it's used in reference to these two big points of Jesus' death and resurrection and his return. And like Habakkuk, we too look back and we look forward. We look back at the cross of Jesus as the foundation of the promise of the future return of Jesus. So we have these two fixed points in our lives, these two fixed points... Well, that the Bible calls the last days. And how do we live in these last days? Well, let me give you a silly illustration, and after that I want you to think about it. Uh, who has rowed a boat before? Okay, I'm not talking about kayaking, right? That's sort of really cool stuff where nobody can balance unless you know how to kayak. I'm talking about rowing, like rowing backwards, not a rowing. I'm told that in order to row in a straight line, you need to keep your eyes fixed on a point in order to get to your destination, if you know what the destination is. You've got to keep your eyes on a fixed point. Is that true? Yeah, that'll do. Johnny says yes. <laughs> and I believe Johnny because he was the president of the United States. No, of, of, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so, so if you fix your eyes on a point, then you're actually going to go straight to your destination. And that's how we're meant to navigate life in terms of a silly illustration. But nevertheless, what is the reality of that for us in between these two big events, the death and resurrection of Jesus and the time that he will return? How should that affect, if we're going to focus on these two things, how should that affect our lives in the here and now? You talked for a couple of minutes along those lines. In terms of application, how do we live in the here and now in light of that time in the time of Jesus. Go for it. Speak of Habakkuk. 
yeah, in times of great tragedy, it's okay to say, God, why is this happening? But in, in, a, in a robust faith, nevertheless, that still relies on God all through it, no matter what. Not giving up on God, but continuing on. Other things? You keep focus on the gospel. Yeah. That's the old reference point. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, your reference point is the gospel and the death and resurrection of Jesus and his return. Yeah. So that in those times of trouble, when people actually ask you the question, what is God doing about evil and suffering in the world? Your answer is, he sent Jesus to deal with evil and suffering in the world. I don't know why this is happening. I don't know why my family member was killed tragically at Dreamworld. But I do know that Jesus was sent into the world to deal with that once and for all. I don't know how in that, into that instance, but I know he will, and I'm going to trust him. Yeah. We keep encouraging and stirring up one another yeah. uh, to do things that are worthy and have value yeah. when the day comes. Yes, yes. You stir each other to do things of value until the day comes. What those valuable things are. You know, what, how can you best serve Jesus with what God has given you to steward? Now, everything you have is from God. Your, your life, your, your, your breath, your personality, your gifts, your abilities, everything is from God. So how am I going to steward that that will best serve these two causes? What will best serve it in the end? Yeah. And that is to live for Jesus somehow. And I take it, you want to take as many people with you To Jesus. Whatever you do, you know, whether you're going to be full time working as a teacher, whether you're going to be an engineer, whether you're going to be in full time ministry, you're still going to do the same thing and tell people about Jesus. It's not putting one person in pedestal over the other. But you still want to tell people about Jesus, yeah. Yeah, these are great things, aren't they? Any other things? If you want sense, you can't only buy. Yeah, 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 it's those two things, yeah. I heard of a lady who, uh, incredible, uh, Ray Galea, who's an amazing preacher, multi-spec and has these uh, Mediterranean people in his congregation amongst others, but he said there was one lady who actually as he was burying her husband, um, she cried out at the gravesite, I'm so jealous, I'm so jealous, and to stop her from wanting to jump into that grave. It was kind of weird, right? But the point was still right. She knows that he's in a better place in the end, and this world really is horrible, but we live in the light of his return. And we can live with joy inside, deep, deep joy. This is not a superficial, I'm H-A-P-P-Y, I'm H-A-P-P-Y. I know I am, and I am not really H-A-P-P-Y. Not that kind of stuff. But really a joy that is so deep because of knowing that Jesus has met my deepest need and he's going to come and he's going to make things right. And I know he's going to do that because Jesus has died. Faith means living with joy. When Jesus returns, he will come to take us. Isn't that wonderful? Farewell for those of you who are leaving us.
but I hope you live with those two points in your mind, burn into your psyche, your life, your soul, and keep living for Jesus with great joy. The rest of us are coming back to uni. Keep those points as well. I love you. Someone's going to lead some prayer. Thanks, man. Hi everyone, my name is Nat. I'm a third year art student and I'm just going to pray. Father, thank you for the chance that we've had uh, this semester to study your word every week. Thank you for the book of Habakkuk. Thank you for the way that we've seen that uh, you are faithful and that you keep your promises. Father, help us to joyfully be living for you as we wait. Um, as we wait for you to fulfill the rest of your promises. And help us to continually be looking back to the cross and remembering uh, what you've done for us in Christ. Father, we pray for NTE, which is coming up. Uh, we thank you uh, for the chance we have to go away and to learn your word. We pray that the students and the staff and the guests who attend will be spurred on at the conference um, to transform Australia and the world through radical, joyful, self-sacrificial living for your glory. Father, we pray too for the post-conference missions. We thank you that so many of us uh, can go to churches in our area and that so many others will go to churches around Australia. We pray that even now you'll be preparing people's hearts to hear your gospel, and we pray that you'll be helping uh, all those who go out to be bold in proclaiming Christ um, wherever they go. Father, we pray also for our brothers and sisters at Southern Cross University in Lismore. Please, Father, help the students to be focusing on building good relationships with their non-Christian friends, and help those friendships to, have, to lead to fruitful and helpful opportunities to talk about Jesus. Father, we pray to you for the students giving talks in these uh, next weeks. We pray that they'll be faithful to your word as they give those talks. Help them to grow in their faith and help them uh, to learn as they investigate uh, what you have to say in your word. Father, we pray now as we um, head into the rest of the week and as we finish up this semester, help us to be serving you faithfully and help us to keep serving uh, you and living for Christ as our priority. Amen. Amen.